Hello, Cryptonauts, and welcome back to another episode of Cryptocurrency Chat. On today's episode, we have JT, CEO of the Join social media platform. If you haven't heard about the social media platform Join, it's something that you should check out. If you like Facebook, you're really going to love Join. It's a decentralized platform built on the blockchain. Check it out. It's on joinsocialmedia.com. I highly recommend it. It's one of those new upcoming blockchain slash social media platforms for you to check out. All right, we are live. We are live, 100%. Join life. Enjoying life, 100%. Mike. <laughs> Mike. Hello. How you join life? You join life? I'm joining life. Um, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be joining life after this podcast. Absolutely, absolutely. Sure. <laughs> so the reason I'm saying that for the cryptonauts out there, by the way, welcome, welcome to another episode of Cryptocurrency Chat. I am your host, Blockchain John, here with my co-host Mike, just Mike, and the CEO of Join, JT. Nice to nice to be here. Hey, how's it going? Right now, you're currently in Greece, yeah, right? Which is which is mind-boggling because right now it's 10 p.m. my time in Pacific here in Silicon Valley, San Jose, in Central California. But you're in yeah, Greece, and it's 8 a.m. here. I got up nice and early. I, I got ni- up nice and early for the podcast. It's lovely and sunny here. It's beach season. I'm sure it's the same in California. So is that why I think we're in there? two good parts of the world. <laughs> <laughs> is that why you're over there? Well, yeah, kind of. You know, I've, I've spent most of my time in London, but I was born here in Greece and. There's beaches and nice weather here, and you know when you do when you're building something, you can be anywhere, which is brilliant. That's beautiful, man. That's the the um, that's what actually uh, Mike and I were talking about not too long ago. That the, the beauty of just developing product or, or software or just blockchain technology is that you can virtually be anywhere. You don't you no longer have to be in Silicon Valley. That's just people are realizing that now and are moving out. It's too expensive to live here, right? <laughs> Yeah, and the pandemic as well, like people realize that living in box flats and paying 2000 a month rent for 50 square feet of space is a really bad deal. Yeah. And you can get 10 times the space out in the countryside with better weather. So it makes sense. That hit too close to home. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now we are officially, like I said, we are live streaming on the C3 Media Podcast. For those of you that are listening to the podcast, you can head over to the YouTube channel. Make sure, make sure to subscribe, give a like, and comment on the YouTube channel because we need more subscribers to get this ported over to the uh, Odyssey Odyssey platform. And that's the goal is try to get a minimum of 300 subscribers as soon as possible so we can start porting the stuff over and start utilizing blockchain technology. Right. So with that said, JT, thank you for being on the podcast. That wasn't that was one of the most awkward intros I've ever done. But eh, it's it, it is what it is. It's it's a joy in life, right? <laughs> yeah, that's the one. All right, JT. So let's, so let's before we get started with what join is. I'm always curious of what my my guests have done before they heard about blockchain, before they even heard about Bitcoin. And what led them, or who led them, 
to Bitcoin or blockchain or Ethereum or, you know, so on and so forth, crypto in general. So be, way before you even got, got into the space, what did you do before that? Were you in college? Were you in school? Were you just, you know, cruising yeah, the states? No, so I think for me, I had quite a traditional, I had a very, you know, a fairly traditionally defined career path. I went to university in London. I actually was one of the first students at a new private university in London called New College of the Humanities. Uh, so it was just 50 of us, and we set up a university with like Richard Dawkins, Anthony Grayling, Stephen Pinker, Lawrence Krauss, like the world's most famous academics. So I studied three years there. I had an economics degree, so I was interested in investment banking and finance and corporate finance. But by the end of my third year, I'd done a lot of you know, politics, philosophy, international relations, and I just thought that cybersecurity was much more interesting. It, it kind of it was the intersection of technology and politics. So I joined Deloitte as a cybersecurity consultant. Uh, I spent two years there, and then after that, I kind of ended up working for a, a couple of kind of privacy tech startups, um, kind of working as their director of privacy and trying to use big data uh, capturing technology to help big organizations find all of their sensitive data, process their sensitive data, and ultimately comply with new privacy regulations. So I kind of went from economics and finance into cybersecurity, and I then moved across to data privacy. And that's when I came across Brave Software. And that's the first time I came across Ethereum. Uh, or at least a real-world use case for a um, for a cryptocurrency. And Brave Software's model, um, they're an internet browser, privacy-friendly internet browser, is they're utilizing the power of Ethereum to protect user privacy online, but more specifically, reward users in cryptocurrency for the value of the ads that they were watching. Now, that's a, that's a revolutionary concept because the big problem that we face with the big social media platforms, specifically Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, is the surveillance capitalism model, the proliferation of hundreds of millions of people's personal data uh, to unsecure sources, to malicious actors. And ultimately, you know, UK Parliament, uh, EU regulators, US regulators, for the last six, seven years, have, have had a nonstop barrage of lawsuits and files against Facebook for breaching user privacy um, and ultimately exploiting users online. So when I saw Brave Software's model, I was like, one, you're protecting user privacy, and two, you're paying users cryptocurrency for watching the ads. And Facebook's model is it's free, and they proliferate your data to every single person. So it seemed to me the only way to create a legitimate competitor to Facebook is to beat Facebook on both of those things. Can we protect user privacy and essentially pay users for using the platform? That's a better proposition than a free platform that exploits your data and privacy. So that was my angle coming into uh, blockchain and crypto. And then when I did some research on Ethereum, um, unfortunately for my micro crypto payment system to work on social media, the transaction fees on Ethereum are too high. But Hedera Hashgraph, which is a new distributed ledger technology uh, based out in Dallas, we can do transactions at less than one third of one cent. So I can essentially now reward users in real time in micro crypto payments at the one cent level for the ads they consume whilst also protecting their privacy. And we hope that will offer a better social media experience, uh, better value for users, advertisers, and creators. And so we launched on Monday, and that's where we're at. Wow, JT, you you just you said a lot right there. You gave us the whole bag. It's one of those things where you <laughs> have to go piece by piece. Let's go back now. Now, when you first yeah. got into blockchain, and, and Mike, definitely help uh, help plug in some questions in here because there was so much that he had right there. It's let's let's go layer by layer. So let's start off with a year. When you, when you first got into crypto, it sounded like you first got into Ethereum. That's what you heard, and that's what you were kind of interested in. Uh, but you've always yeah, had 20... this. Go ahead. 
about 2016, yeah, so I came across Ethereum in 2015, 16, and I think kind of uh, Brave were the first one who was starting to use it, so that's when I first came across it. Nice. Did you ever mine crypto? Uh, no, I didn't. Again, like I, I really came at this from a more of a corporate perspective. I was looking at business use cases. I wasn't interested in mining cryptocurrency. You know, I was living in London, so all my money was going on rent. So I didn't have a lot of money to end up. So no, I didn't. Um, I didn't mine cryptocurrency. I wasn't involved in speculative trading. I was really just looking at real-world use cases and corporate adoption of these technologies and what they can be used for to improve business models. So this join platform, it's it, this is your baby. Did you code this up, or did you get uh, like um, developers to help you out? Yeah, so we have we have like a team of ten developers in India who have been building this. We also have a couple of guys in the states who have been helping. So you know we have, a, and then we have kind of big uh, the coders. The coders are in America and India, um, and then most of the business guys are in London. Now you said you specifically are using uh, Hedera versus Ethereum because of the transactions, solely the transactions. If it wasn't a transaction um, high fee issue, would you have stayed on uh, Ethereum? I think, well, yes. But, but the, I mean, for me, I had a very simple, this is something I want to achieve, which is, you know, if, if, if for every like three cents or four cents worth of an ad, I want to give you 25%. So if it's four cents worth of ads that you're seeing, I want to be able to give you one cent in real time. And with Ethereum, it just wasn't possible. So if, if it was there, if those transaction fees were there, if the to finality in completing the transaction was that I'd use it. But having researched all of the cryptos on the market, Hedera Hashgraph is the only one, or is by far the fastest and secure for this type of use case. So I'm always on the lookout. Right? It's amazing. Hedera it's, is just amazing. The more yeah. I look into it, just wow, it's mind boggling how, how this pretty much blows everything out of the park. It's, it's a home run. It's a Barry Bonds piece of, uh, of technology that just <laughs> does a home run every single time on top of everything else. It's, it's mind-boggling. Yeah, and if they've already got so Tune FM. They've basically, there's a, a Spotify kind of replica slash clone that's been built on Hedera, and they're, they're doing micro-crypto transactions to artists for streaming songs, and that's been live for like six months, and it works. So... You know, I, I just haven't seen another crypto that is able currently to process that amount of throughput at that speed. So, yeah, it's really, really exciting time to be building on Hedera. And that's what's interesting about Hedera is that no other blockchain can really do what Hedera does when it comes to uh, microtransactions. Hedera, that is the platform where you want to utilize microtransactions. Every single second that is, is dedicated to your platform. For example, if I had a website and my website has, like, um, I don't know, ad, um, ad sharing, ad hosting, whatnot. Every single second is pretty much time given back to me. That 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 that, that micro transaction is given back to me. It's it's mind boggling how that happens. Compared to like a centralized website, it's going to take months, you know, because I don't have that much traffic flow right now. But as as we continue to grow the C three uh, media platform, of course, there's going to be more and more people joining on, right? But as right now, we don't have the, the millions and millions of people trafficking through C uh, three media. So it's going to take a while to accumulate all that transaction. But with something like with Hedera Hashgraph, having those microtransactions, it's a beautiful thing because it shows up in my wallet immediately, every single time. Yeah. Yeah. And so the important thing as well, like people talk a lot about decentralization. And I, I, I always question when people talk about decentralization, like, why do you think it's good to decentralize? Because the thing that you're decentralizing is actually value. You're distributing with micro crypto transactions. You're able to distribute value back down the chain 
So this is not just with social media, you can have this in any workplace, but essentially what these networks allow you to do is more fairly and more quickly reward people for their output, for their content in real time. And it gives users transparency over where that value is going. And what that does is it, it's gonna make all industry, all businesses more equitable because employees, even at the lowest level, you can get, you can reward people in real time for the value that they contribute. You can quantify it and people can get rewarded in real time. So it really is a revolutionary concept, but you know, when we talk about decentralization and why those micro crypto transactions are important, it's because every transaction is value that you're giving to a user that they did not have access to before. And that is revolutionary for every single person who's going to get more cut of the pie when their industry gets put onto one of these decentralized technologies because it's impossible to avoid and it becomes incredibly easy and cheap to distribute that value down the chain. So I honestly think this is going to disrupt every industry because like, you know, workers are getting a bad deal, uh, users are getting a bad deal on centralized platforms and this technology just, there's no excuse anymore to not be rewarding your creators, your advertisers, your users. Um, utilizing the power of this technology. So I think it's a beautiful thing. All right. So we're actually going to start moving over to the Join website here that you sent us. Unless, Mike, you have any questions on that? All right. I'm, uh, I'm pretty excited to join Join, though. Yeah, same here. That's cool. I love it. Love it. That's what I like to hear. So you actually emailed me the, uh, let's see, what is it called? The... And... The join investor deck minute, I think it's called. Um, can That's, I, can well, I share we have, this? Uh, yeah, go on. Yeah, it's fine. We have a rebrand on the way, but I think the timing of the deck when I made it, which was immediately after the US insurrection, okay. I think it's Perfect. a powerful piece of gear. Let's have a look. All right. So once again, for the listeners out there, there is a... Uh, what do you call it? Slideshow of of Joyen here on the YouTube channel that you can visually see what what we're talking about. But JT, if you can do your best to try to explain what this is all about. Yeah, no problem. I'm happy to talk you through it. Is uh, we having a problem loading that top page, or yeah, you can scroll is. down if the rest is loaded. That's okay. Mm-hmm. I made this deck uh, two days after the U.S. insurrection on the on Capitol Hill. Um, and it felt really appropriate at the time because I was following the open planning of that insurrection on both Facebook and Twitter for a week before it happened. And it seemed shocking to me that no, not only did like importers or the intelligence agencies not picked up on it, but that it was so open and out in the public. And that, like, in terms of all the problems I'm talking about when I talk about privacy, fake accounts, fake news, exploitation on social media, this was kind of the the bursting point where all of that came together. So social media for social good. Um, let's scroll on to the next slide. Sure. Uh, but fundamentally, you know, where I'm coming from, and if you've seen some of my Sky News appearances uh, responding to Facebook breaches is, we believe that social media is big and broken. And we think that current social media um, models are failing, not just failing, but actively harming citizens, societies, advertisers, creators, and users. So if we move on to the next slide. Social media is big and broken. Broken, yep. Here we go. So there are a few. There are three key problems that that the current model has failed to address at all. It's 2021. These issues have been known about for 
more than 10 years now, and Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter have failed to address them. And these problems are deliberate, they are by design. So the first is filter bubbles and polarizations. We have a model whereby Facebook's algorithm, Instagram's algorithm, Twitter's algorithm is served to you in a black box. You have no control over it. And ultimately what that's done is siloed users, uh, polarized us, and has eroded the middle ground for consensus. So a recent US consumer survey says that 57% of US citizens think social media is doing more to divide the nation than unite it. And I see this when I go home at Christmas every year, you know, I, it's become impossible to speak to my parents. They believe conspiracy theories. They think that Bill Gates is planting microchips in people's arms. They believe that chemtrails in the sky are some like weird government campaign to control you and destroy crops. Um, and it is really poisoning the societies we live in because it's destroying friendships, it's destroying families, but also it's just creating environments where people believe lies and conspiracy theories so they act against their own self-interest. So this is a big problem. And the way we're solving this is with, by giving users algorithm controls. So you control your algorithm, your algorithm doesn't control you on join. So like, we're like the opposite of Black Mirror. So that's the first thing. Mm. Disinformation and hate speech. It's a big fake account problem. Um, on Facebook, they deleted 2.3 billion fake accounts in the first 90 days of this year. That's more fake accounts than real users on their platform. So we're digitally ID verifying all accounts using Passbase. So by getting rid of the bots and the trolls and the fake accounts, we're actually getting rid of a lot of the fake news and hate speech problem because a lot of this fake news and hate speech is organized and it's delivered using fake accounts. And finally, the interesting stuff, privacy and monetization. How do we decentralize social media and reward users in crypto in real time for the content they produce? We're using Hedera Hashgraph and that is essentially the proposition. So we'll get onto that as we move through the deck. Move on. Before we go to the next slide, can you explain more about how the um, IDs are verified? Yeah, so we use Passbase. So we have there's Passbase, uh, but we're also going to be using YoT and Rapid ID. So these are third-party digital ID verification providers. Mm -hmm. They are integrated into the onboarding of the app. But that data, that's you know, you take a selfie, you scan your driver's license or your passport. We never receive that data. It's processed securely by a third-party uh, digital ID verification company. And then we get a notification that you are a real person and then you log into your account and you can use the account. If you do not digitally ID verify your account, you cannot post or interact or engage with anything on join. So that first bottleneck for getting rid of organized, inauthentic activity on social media, Facebook could do it. They choose not to because it's a fundamental part of their model to allow people to exploit uh, vulnerabilities in their platform. So it takes like 60 seconds to do while onboarding. Um, if you've used any type of DeFi, um, kind of app, totally normal process. And yeah, it's, 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 it's a really good uh, security measure for us to have. So you said you're starting with one uh, right away, but planning on adding two more? Yes, uh, we have. How, we have yeah. how, how would it uh, go for the user deciding or having input on which one they pick? Is it just well, random or? Yeah, I think what people feel comfortable with, because, you know, some people are saying, oh, I don't want to give away my personal information. I don't want to give away, you know, sensitive information. One, we're not processing that. But two, if we right. give them an it, from us, it doesn't matter, right? Rapid ID, Yoti, and, and uh, Passbase do the same thing. I trust all of them. I've, I've met, you know, I've spoken with all the teams. I've reviewed the technology. But if users want to go and do that research themselves and choose for themselves which one they feel most comfortable with, then that's an option we're happy to provide. I've never, ever heard of that. Of, of a company giving a choice of which verification third party they could use. That's, that's pretty awesome, man. That's really yeah. cool. But, you know, uh, transparency and like, we've got nothing to hide here. 
There's nothing shady about what we're doing. These companies are legit. And like, we want to address well, people's concerns sincerely and, and head on. It's the transparency and choice too, which is really great. Yeah. Thank you. That's nice to hear. <laughs> All right, so here you got uh, Fix the Internet Hackathon. You got first place. Yeah, we did. We nice. did. We did. It was nice. Yeah, Baitworks have done some really good stuff. I mean, they were behind Giphy and Tumblr and Kickstarter. Um, so they were running kind of a boot camp out in New York. And we had won that in November. And that was for, um, we actually submitted just the algorithm controls. So, you know, this is, talk about privacy and crypto, but actually the feed controls that we've created in the feed to allow users to essentially create their own algorithm and to filter content. It, you know, Baitworks loved it. And they said, look, this is actually a really good way to break down those filter bubbles because... At the moment, I can't choose to view. I can't see what you're seeing on your screen. But with me, I'm giving you the option. I'm, I'm giving you the option to export your algorithm. Like I've created Spotify for Facebook algorithms. You know how on Spotify you create playlists with all your favorite accounts in, and then you yeah. can just go browse playlists and apply them. I've done that with algorithms. We've done that in the join feed. So no I, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've got my <laughs> feed. It'd be like you know, like uh, it'd be all my Premier League footballers, all my NBA accounts that I follow. You know, some Brooklyn Nine-Nine names. I don't know. Oh, I'll I like export this. that. JT's algorithm. Yeah. You know, look, you can just get it and apply it to your feed. And, you know, think about parents and children. My, pa my parents read some crazy stuff on Facebook. I need to know what my dad is reading because he's coming out with nonsense a lot of the time. So the ability for me to import his algorithm to actually go and see it, I think it's going to do a lot of good in terms of breaking down these filter bubbles. Let, let me ask, um, so, is, is Join open source? Uh, it's not currently, uh, but again, we're waiting for this Hedera currently on, I, I think. So no, it's not, but okay. but not yet, but, that, but we'll see. It's not open we'll source see. because Hedera is not open source, or, or what's... what's... I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I can't answer that question at the moment, sorry. I'll, I'll get our CTO for the next one. He's made some decisions on this at the moment, I think. I think because we're testing on main, it's we're testing on mainnet at the moment. There's some difficulties, but I don't know. He, he might have, he'll ask, have a better answer. The reason I wanted to ask is like when it comes to improving on join and obviously making it a lot better for generations to come, are people going to be able to to do that uh, utilizing join, uh, or is it just the join company? Because I'm assuming you guys own the join name. That's copyright. Yeah. Or, or, so or I think, yeah, yeah, yes. But I think, so I think the first thing to say is that we have a very specific vision for what join is and what join needs to do because we're solving very specific problems, problems which haven't yet been solved by the rest of the market, mostly because they're too scared to touch them. So I feel like right now, at least until we have all of our functionality open source is not a good idea for us, but that's because I think internally we have an incredibly strong and differentiated vision for what social media can be. Uh, and so we need to deliver that first. But like, as I said, I'm open to it, but we need to get to the point where we've plugged all of these gaps first and people can see the value of plugging these gaps before we open it up to the community. Mm -hmm. Nice, okay, perfect. All right, next slide. Cool, this is it. So then we will go through these in more detail, but essentially we think using crypto and the, the features that we, we've got a better value proposition for creators, for users, advertisers, for kids. And then ultimately that translates into more social good for more people. So if we go on to the next slide, we'll, we'll cover creators. So we have two monetization mechanisms for creators. Um, the first is, oh, can we just- So this is slide? how it looks, right? This is what it looks like? 
yeah, this is what it looks like. There has been there have been some tweaks, but yep, this is what it looks like. You get to play with it either on Friday or Monday, I promise. Oh, it's, so it's, a, beautiful, a... it's a beautiful uh, uh, GUI on here. Oh, thank you. Like Brilliant. It. So <laughs> really like, like that. So the first concept is um, users are going to receive join tokens, which is the native crypto that we've built on Hedera. Um, and we're going to just reward users in real time for the ads that they view. Uh, and we're just distributing 25% of all of our ad revenue to users. So, you know, Facebook made $16 billion worth of profit in the last 90 days. Jeez. I was like, well, if that's profit in 90 days and $16 billion. And, and, you know, I was like, would it be so bad if we made $12 billion? And so I was like, oh, no, it would not be so bad. So we went through, you know, Facebook's business model. Their margins are absolutely insane. And there is more than enough room. There is more than enough room. Facebook's EBITDA is like 32, 32% profit margins. By giving away 25% of our ad revenue, we still end up with like 24, 25%. So the first concept, concept is we're going to distribute ad revenue to users to spend on creator content. And that micro crypto ecosystem allows users and creators to monetize their content without having to put money in themselves. That's us distributing profits directly to users to spend on the creators and content that they love, um, which is something that Facebook currently doesn't do. So we think that's going to differentiate us. And then the second thing, which I built, I, this deck was built in January. The new deck now is NFTs. NFTs have changed the content monetization game. On Hedera, it costs $1 to mint an NFT. On Ethereum, it costs $80. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but at $1, that means on every single join post, whether it's a comment or an article or a video or just a really bad selfie, you can mint an NFT for $1 as you post it. And when you post it and you mint that NFT for a dollar, it goes into an NFT auction place. And if someone buys it, that money goes straight into your account and you've just directly monetized your content online. So NFTs have made this much easier for us because you know the ad model is going to take time to get up. It's going to get time to get advertisers on board. So ad reward systems not going to be working in the first kind of two three months before we have advertisers but with the nfts and with immediate uh, with this micro tipping system that we've built onto every post users can immediately log on to join and they can immediately start monetizing their content on day one so we're really excited about that because like facebook just haven't facebook and instagram just haven't offered that to users yet JT, uh, some... oh go ahead sorry mike go ahead uh, if someone wanted to mint their uh, tweet as an NFT, are they limited to just one or could they make the quantity substantially more than one? So this is the brilliant thing, right? We can do substantially more than one. But so currently the NFT market is totally broken because what's happening is these third party NFT auction places are being set up to mint NFTs on platforms that aren't theirs. And then, yes, they're minting one or 10 or 100 or 1,000. But there is no real exclusivity or there's no way to exercise your ownership over an NFT because those content is hosted on platforms that aren't the minting. So, you know, I, I, what's the value for the user in owning an F NFT right now? And the answer is you can say that you own an NFT and you can potentially resell it. But on join, because we, we're minting these within the social media platform, the range of controls that we can offer for the utility of the NFT is infinite. So for instance, you know, Someone might want to pay a massive amount of money uh, for, an for a new influencer video that could only be viewed, let's say, 10 times or 100 times. People might be willing to pay massive amounts of money for that to restrict access for other people to use it. But there's no reason why 
we can't win an F NFT to have 10,000 or a million or 10 million views, you know, and have that cut off. The great thing is we will give that choice to the NFT creator. They can, we'll give them um, differentiating structures, incentives for how they want the NFT to be used. And ultimately within join, because it is contained within our social network, we can place meaningful um, access restrictions, meaningful distribution, like things that actually make the NFT valuable because it, it does make it rare because you can't just go and see it anywhere else on the internet. So really excited to kind of integrate NFT auction place functionality into a social network because I feel like we can make that actionable. We can make the ownership of NFTs useful and provide meaningful access rights, et cetera, to those who buy them, which makes them more valuable. Because right now, you know, buying Jack Dorsey's first tweet on Twitter, you don't have the right to delete that. You don't have the right to share it. Everyone else can see it. Is it really that rare? No, you can just say that you own the NFT for it. But like, for me, that's, you know, like if you've been to the Guggenheim in New York, like people buy expensive art to launder money. They don't do it to look at it on the wall. I want people to buy NFTs and content because they enjoy the content, right? Not just as an asset for money laundering. So, you know, I feel like we were able to do that with Enjoin. And I would have a problem selling one of my own tweets for anything like less than a penny, but I wouldn't <laughs> mind selling it for a 10th of a penny. I'd have no problem with that. Yeah. Well, I think that's the thing with the live auction place, you know, just like eBay, you mint your NFT, maybe it costs you a dollar and then you're like the minimum price for it is, you know, $1 or whatever. There's a lot of weird people on the internet and there's, you know, it's an open <laughs> auction place. <laughs> I remember when eBay first started, one of my first like side hustles was like, trying to find like Bic pens and like putting them in groups of five and selling them on eBay for like inflated prices. And, you know, now and then someone just comes along and buys, like overpays for stuff. So, you know, it's, it's exciting for the user, it's exciting for the creator. All right. Uh, my question is in regards to uh, funding, how did you guys get funding to, to get, actually, hold on, let's start off with this question. From your first thought of you wanting to create uh, join, when was that? So that was almost exactly two years ago to the day. So almost two years ago to the day. Two years ago from the moment you, you spoke, you, you, you brought that into, into reality. reality yeah. It was literally, and do you know what? It, it, it's, Greek, it's Greek Easter this weekend. It's Greek Easter this weekend. And I came away two, week, two, month, two years ago. But Greek Easter with my family. And I was sat in my parents have a really shitty side room. And I was sat in that side room. And I'd been thinking about, Facebook, I've been on the news like a lot. If you've seen this, if the Sky News stuff, like I was the guy responding to the Cambridge Analytica data breaches. I was the one responding to Facebook scandals. I was going on air and telling everyone, guys, this is terrible. We need to fix this. And after a year and a half of doing that, after my last performance, which was the, the latest like 50 million user data breach, nothing was happening. And I went to Greece and I was really dispirited. I was really angry. And I just thought, I've got to go and do this. So I literally sat in my room on my iPad and I just, <laughs> I created a little join. I just literally put the word join on a slide, on, on, on an individual slide. And I was like, social media for social good. And then literally I just spent the whole week kind of building out like a mini deck. I rang up a few of my privacy people. And I said, look, I've, I've got this idea. I want to do this. Can anyone help me? And then, yeah, they pointed me in the right direction. Um, and that's where I started. Nice. <clears throat> so when it comes to funding, what did you guys get funding for this? It's two years, two years in the making, so there had to be a little bit of funding to get this going. Yeah, well, we really haven't raised that much money, but it's all been private investors, really, like Angels, we've used AngelList and uh, Connected, and LinkedIn was a really good place to start. Our first backers were 
people who are already working in the privacy tech space, who believe in tech for good. And like when we pitched them the idea, you know, we had no money, we had no like experience in building this stuff. We okay, just on. had let, a pipe. Let's, let's, do it, let's do it this way. Let's do it this way, JT. This is, this is a rare, yeah. rare opportunity for the listeners and viewers out there. For somebody okay. that's actually gone through the process of coming from, from uh, bringing something to fruition into an actual product, can you just yep. quickly in a nutshell, not quickly, take your time because this is, I think, yeah. going to help out a lot of people it, it, that have these visions that want to bring it to fruition but don't know the steps to take to try to bring it to reality. Can you please take Brilliant. a moment to explain how you did it that might be able to help someone else to try to give them a yes. to, 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 to do that is a, that is a That's a great question. So... Raising money early on when you have no money and you only have a few ideas on a slide deck is difficult because the only people who are going to back you at that stage are people who are already strongly ideologically aligned with the thing that you are doing. Because at that stage, they have to believe in either you or the idea. And me, you know, I was 26, you know, starting it. It's very, you know, going to experience investors. They're not going to believe in me as a seasoned, experienced founder, but the one thing I did have was an idea. And that idea was a sincere idea. It was about privacy. It was about tech for good. And, you know, it wasn't at that time about crypto and it wasn't really about like decentralization. But, you know, we found the thing, the problem we were solving, which is, you know, a real problem. There are other people in the world who care about it and who want things, want those things to change. And those people will give you five, 10, 20,000 pounds. They'll give you that money to start it off, if you're like, look, we literally, our first two, three investors, it was just five and 10,000 each because we wanted to be able to start to build a prototype. You know, me and the product, we just needed six months to go away and just like work on it. So that first step is about finding someone who cares about the problem you're solving because the people with money, established investors, without any traction, without a product, without you having been a series seasoned you know, being a seasoned entrepreneur before, they just won't give you the time or, you know, they're a risk reward business. There's a thousand different businesses they can invest in. And where you are at the very beginning of your journey, you're just not going to get the money early on. And also you'll burn through a lot of contacts if you just go out to all the, like all the pre-seed and seed investment firms when you're just starting, you go and apply, you make a bad impression because you're not there. And then it becomes difficult to repair those relationships. So that was a difficult, you know, that's, that's a big lesson learned for me. But then the second stage is you have to have a product. Now we didn't, we had a prototype because again, like we didn't have enough money to build the product, you know, after, so we kind of, the first six months we got money to build the prototype. And then after we started building it, we had it and then we had to go and validate it. So that's either putting it in front of individual investors, but for us at hackathons, that's the big spark point for us was entering our prototype into the Betaworks hackathon. And, you know, we got recognition for it. We won it because they thought the idea was good. Hackathons, it's not about having a finished product. It's about demonstrating potential in an idea and prove that you can build something. So, you know, you raise that early money, you can build a prototype really quickly. You know, Adobe XD is really easy to use. Um, it's, not, it's not super complicated. So it's not expensive to build a prototype. You then go and validate the prototype. Hackathons are really good for it. But even at the prototype stage, you can approach individual angel investors and, again, It'll only be the ones that are ideologically aligned, but when you have a prototype, something they can see and, and visualize, your success rate for raising money goes up. And then you get to where we are now, which is we're launching with the MVP. And you know we have what we think is a big amount of money that on the table if the MVP works. So 
But the point is they will not release that money until they know the MVP works. They need to see a product. Um, and I think my experience is there's just a, a lot of people who are launching apps that are terrible, that break. And investors are kind of scarred by that. They see a lot of businesses that promise a lot and they don't deliver much. So it really is kind of difficult until you get the MVP over the line to raise serious money. But look, if, you're, if your vision is strong, if your ability to communicate why you're doing the thing you're doing, is, if that's at the core of everything you're doing, you have that kind of um, immediacy, that urgency for building this, you can find people who are willing to bankroll you to get to MVP. Now, after that, we'll see. I mean, come back to me in two months, you know, if we've raised... 10 million pounds it'll be a great success story if we haven't I mean, i'll happily talk about the failure side of things but yeah, um yeah i think that's where it is we're definitely gonna do a follow-up without a doubt yeah um, but let's go ahead and continue <laughs> on I, i'm I, you know normally when i have somebody on the podcast for the first time i like to do a follow-up in about a month or two and this is a perfect time for, for us to do this podcast because you're releasing this uh, at the end of this week or early next week which is awesome because this gives everyone an opportunity to listen to the podcast download the app, test it out, give feedback, and then get you back and maybe uh, some of the developers back on, to, uh, on the podcast to talk about uh, what's been going on with Jordan. I love it. That's a great idea. And also, it would be funny as well because, you know, I'm, I'm in a great mood. You know, MVP is coming. It's all really exciting right now. You know, for budding entrepreneurs out there, it is very exciting starting your own business. It is exciting to build something that is your own and to have a vision for something that is your own. And uh, let's hope I'm in such good mood <laughs> the next time I come on. I'm in equally good spirits. All right. So let's talk Pro about Probably this. just as good with a lot less sleep. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> cool. So we have, this is a, we can move on. I've talked about creators. Can we just go okay. on to the next slide? Users. Okay. For users, um, quite simple, really. I want to talk about fake accounts and digital ID verification because whenever I mention it to people, the first thing, they, they get a bit squeamish and they're like, oh, I don't know if I want to be like verifying myself online, giving away my passport details. Well, the first thing is with third party digital ID verification, that's not, a, we don't process that data, we don't see it. But there is a really important reason why you need to digitally ID verify accounts. And that is because fake accounts online are the main perpetrators of targeted abuse, trolling, hate speech, and fake news. And once you realize that, it is such an important bottleneck because when there's accountability online, when they don't have all this massive fake, fake accounts, fake noise, the, the environment that the users are in is much more pleasant. It's, if, I don't know if you scroll through Instagram comments, but the bots and the abuse that, that goes on in there, it automated the second that the big accounts post something, like the comment sections are swimming with abuse, with, uh, with, with tons of bots and trolls. And what it does is it drowns out legitimate conversation online. And part of the reason why we've been polarized is because we no longer have these common spaces to interact. Because I remember Facebook when it was good, when it was a wall and everyone's friends were there and people were commenting and liking. And, mm. and that's kind of been destroyed by just how much inauthentic activity is online. So by digital ID verifying users, we're gonna give people a better social media experience because all of that toxicity from inauthentic accounts is not going to be there. And I'm really excited for people to see that because people don't really realize now what's fake and what's real online. And that's kind of the battle that we're fighting. But yeah, ID verification, really important. Custom algorithms, talked about this earlier, like 
Spotify, for Facebook. You can export and import algorithms. You can create your own. You can chop and change them. You can change them one tap in the screen, breaking down the filter bubbles, giving you control over what you watch and when. And also, we're building a, a timed calendar function for this. Because people, no like, way. Because think about this. Right? <laughs> How popular are productivity apps in the workplace? How good are productivity apps? They're incredible. What people want to do is organize their time from seven till nine in the morning. If I'm on my way to work, I want to be catching up on news and politics. I don't want to be distracted by cat memes and football highlights. And all I'll do is watch the NBA highlights and football highlights. Like Champions League, Champions League and NBA, I'll spend all morning watching that. If I don't control myself, but the algorithm feeds it to me because I'll watch those posts forever. I need to be able to organize my time, my algorithms online. So in the morning, I do news and politics. In the evening, maybe I schedule three hours for my algorithm to be thoughts and memes. You know, on a Friday, oh, you know, maybe it's food porn because I need to cook for the girlfriend in the evening and I need inspiration. You know, there's a million different ways we can use it. But I think once we give users those choices, you, wow. can't, unbox, you can't unbox better design there. Like, I'm giving you users control over what they see that Facebook has never given them. And then once I give it to them, like, you're not going to go back. You shouldn't go back. Like, the, it's insanely oh, sure. exploitative. It's insanely exploitative, Facebook's algorithm. So... I'm really excited for users to use that because especially for the kind of people we're originally kind of recruiting, that type of organization, that management, that control, it's really empowering and we think people are really going to enjoy it. Let me, let me and ask, then let me ask this. Game of fight. Yeah. In regards to in in regards to the users, <clears throat> there there's eventually going to be some bad users using the platform. It's 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 impossible to have everybody 100% working on the same uh, flow, working with the same uh, rules and, and regulations within Join, because obviously I'm sure there is, right? Obviously you're not going to be showing some some uh, suicides, murders, homicides, all that kind of stuff. I'm sure you're not going to be showing that kind of content on there, I hope. Yeah, well, here's the thing. So this is where digital ID verification is really important. Uh, and it's what the, so if you've seen the kick it out, kick racism out campaign in the UK, there's a massive uh -huh. campaign going on in the UK right now because Premier League footballers are being racially abused online. Now, racial abuse is a crime, is a federal crime. Like if you racially abuse someone in the street, that is a crime. And there's a responsibility for the authorities to get involved. So there are quite clear lines about what is like, you know, you might have like some, you know, some users that are like trolling people, but there's a difference between committing a crime in an online space and like just being a bit of a dick, right? But for the example, on the specific occasions where you do cross that line, where you do racially abuse someone, which we have the ability then to go and link the accounts back to the IDs that they were linked with and report them directly to the police. And that is something that Facebook have not done. They have not cooperated with the, with the FA's investigation of racial abuse online, then they're like, oh, we can't identify them because the accounts that are posting them are not verified and they're fake accounts. Okay. So, okay. so it's that, so there's a self, there's an accountability mechanism here, which is if you cross a line, guys, we, we know who you are. Like we can, we can, we can report that to the authorities immediately. We can get it dealt with anything that doesn't constitute a federal crime. Like it's fine on the platform, really. Like we're not going after like average people who are just like, you know, like being a bit mean to each other online. It's like, it's the really hard stuff, which once that goes, you know, it just makes it better for everyone. And I really think that, yeah, you'll see some toxicity, but the really bad cases will no longer happen. And we think that is a massive improvement. Here's my experience with uh, Facebook. Uh, my, my experience with Facebook yeah. was uh, when I was going to college, 
uh, way back when, when Facebook first came out, it was literally, Facebook was only for college students. You had to have a college uh, email account in order to use Facebook. It wasn't publicly accessible. It was only for college students, period. That was it. Of course, later on, as time went on, it became more popular. More colleges and universities connected into it. And now you got mom and, mom and pop, grandma and grandpa, talking to their to the nephews, their nieces, their granddaughters and whatnot that are out, out, out off to college. And it kind of expanded from there. That was literally me. I was there at the beginning. And as years went on, it got to the point where probably when you came to fruition about join. <laughs> Right around that same time is when I got banned off of Facebook. Oh, why did you get banned from Facebook? I got banned because I was uh, streaming the World Cup. Okay, fine. Yeah, See, that's funny, isn't it? Because Facebook, because they're a money machine, like they'll clamp down on copyright because that protects their bottom line, but they will not deal with racial abuse. They have unbelievably yeah. advanced algorithms exactly. to detect in real time copyrighted content to immediately remove it and ban users permanently, but they will not deal with the really difficult issues yeah. on their platform. That's a perfect example of where Facebook's priorities lie. It's, it's one of those things that it, I would love to go to Facebook to watch the World Cup if anybody's talking about it. Uh, I'm sorry that I live stream it, but I would prefer to watch the World Cup over seeing some girls twerking. Sorry. Sorry. I, I don't want to watch that. I want to I see who's winning, man. I want to see if my, if, my, if my team's winning, you know? And then I got back. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Unfortunately, yeah, but like FIFA, FIFA will be paying Facebook a shit ton of money to make sure they are the primary sole distributor of that content, and it's a dog eat dog world. But yeah, it's it's cruel, but exactly like they've got all that power, all that technology, the ability to ban, like literally mid, the ability to instantaneously identify like inauthentic or illegal activity. But the guys they go after a. You know, the average Joe, like, slitting in his, you know, just wanting to watch football with his friends mm -hmm. and not, like, you know, the, the fucking bot accounts, the bot farms that are, like, literally attacking people online. Yeah. But it just, it really annoys me that because it's just priorities are massively in the wrong order. Yeah, as someone who's never has and never will commit a crime on social media, it's actually would be kind of nice to know that, like, when I see these things that are, like, clearly fraudulent, are like clearly illegal that and I just, you know, I, I don't have a hope of reporting it to Twitter or whatever. And they're like, yeah, we'll look at it. We'll see if it violates, but they're not going to do anything with it. You know, no, they're not going to take it to the right agency that deserves to see that crime. It's a hundred percent. That's pretty cool. That's the point here. And, 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 and I do, I want to say this to the people listening because you, Facebook is an inauthentic actor. It is a bad actor. Cambridge Analytica was working with Facebook to do these micro-targeting disinformation campaigns. Cambridge Analytica is part of Facebook's infrastructure. Mm -hmm. So any, any belief that Facebook is capable or is willing or wants to reform its practices is nonsense. It is a lie. It is a total fabrication because we know that they were in bed with the bad guys using these fake accounts to deliberately divide and conquer Western liberal democracies. So you know, I think that's how we have to now think of Facebook. Like, this isn't just, like, an a big actor who got, like, some technical things wrong. This is someone who's complicit, explicitly complicit in, in enabling this inauthentic activity to win elections across the world. That is, that's, it's, it's, it's so profoundly, like, 
it's dangerous and it is scary and it needs to we just need to take facebook down and, and so that's why we need to solve these problems but you're asked why doesn't facebook solve these problems it's not because they can't it's because they won't and that is the most important thing for users to understand here you know what's scary yeah. is that they're working on their own um their own token the uh, the dm the dm the, token the, the, it, yeah it was libra wasn't it and now it's dm because yeah, good luck on that they love tacky, bloody Latin names, don't they? Mm. He's the day and freedom. It's all part of that, like, nonsense propaganda to, like... Anyway, it's okay. They've got their token launching, but, you know, the, the Libra project went up in flames because Visa and MasterCard, everyone was like, whoa, hold on, guys. Like, do you remember all the shit you just did the last five years? We should probably not allow you to kind of also run the world's, you know, biggest currency. So we'll see where that goes. But it I looks like you tweeted. I believe you tweeted not too long ago. I think it was last week um, uh, regarding a a Facebook leak of, of several hundred millions of, of accounts. Uh, was that you, or was I watching that on on someone else's uh, tweets? I I might I, I probably posted something about it. I mean, it was big news, and you know, I was on TV when it was fifty okay. million user accounts, and I yeah. If you put that, if you watch that video, like I was pissed when it was fifty million user accounts. And then it turns out, that, oh, there's 500 million 500 accounts million, now, yeah. two years so, ago. So I want to ask you, Jay, in, 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 in regards to the user's <clears throat> uh, privacy and their information, how secure is it uh, on, on uh, Join? So in terms of so the, the way that we've built it is that on Hedera, you get an individual wallet. And so the way that it's going to work is all of the information about you that you process will be contained within that node, within that. So it will be, de- be private by default. And when we extract the data insights to match with advertisers, we are anonymizing that data. So we extract the data insights into our like black box marketing system. We scramble it, anonymize it, and then anonymously match it with advertisers' logic. So we are not... The, the, it's Facebook's biz, uh, ad model is called the RTB, real-time bidding model. We have flipped that on its head. We're using the same structure as Brave Software, which is users' data is private by default. We anonymize any insights that we collect about you, match them anonymously with advertisers' logic, and then we've created the data lake. It's a privacy portal where, in real time, you are pinged with all of the advertisers that are potentially interested in you, and then you swipe right or swipe left to add them to your approved advertiser list. The more targeted the advertisers that you consent to, the more valuable the ads are. The more valuable the ads are, the more join tokens you receive because we're giving 25% of the ad revenue to you. So there's a commercial, uh, you know, an economic incentive for you to choose advertisers that you trust to be on your feed because if they are tailored to you, the ads will be worth more, which means you'll earn more join tokens as you scroll. If you decide not to personalize your ads, well, you know... <laughs> Uh, McAfee, they've tried to solve this problem, right? So, you know, when you go on the internet, um, you open up a tab and, you know, you've got targeted advertising all over the internet and you're like, oh, this is creepy. You know, I really don't want to be targeted on the internet. They created a plugin that essentially opens like a million different browsers and scrambles your algorithm for you. And what that does, it, it has the end effect of giving you re- totally randomized ads. You know, you'll be on a sports website and you might get an advertisement for like Japanese knotweed. You're like, what? But it doesn't matter because it's a totally random ad. So the same thing will happen with Join. If you decide never to title personalize your adverts, 
then the adverts that you see will just be random. But here's the thing about random ads. They're quite jarring. When you scroll your feed, when you scroll your feed, um, the ads are kind of on Facebook and Instagram. They're designed to look like the content that you're scrolling. So, you know, it's a seamless kind of activity. So, you know, with users, it's up to you. If you decide you want totally random ads, you get random ads. You don't receive as many join tokens for it. But I think here's the thing. Advertisers are not the problem. Bad actors like Cambridge Analytica using the advertising system is the problem. So Coca-Cola, Nike, McDonald's, yes, advertise to me. I use all of those things. I eat Mackey D's three times a week. Like, I, that, those are fine. Cambridge Analytica and Russian intelligence agencies, no. And so that's what the data lake and the privacy portal is. It gives users control over which advertisers has access to them. And even when they do have access to you, they don't have your data. So we think we get the best of both worlds there. Now, are there two user profiles, the standard user and the advertiser, or is it just one and the standard user could also be an advertiser? Yeah, I think this, any user can be an advertiser because you can pay for promotion, right? But I th you know, at the, uh, any creator can pay to promote their services or to run an ad on the platform. So we'll, I mean, we haven't actually created that ad system yet because, you know, with MVP coming up, um, but essentially, yeah, it's any, any user can pay to promote anything on the platform and we will have like a centralized library where all the ads are running or, or everything will be reviewed. But in all cases, none of the data that's been collected is ever transferred to the creator or the advertisers who are running the ads. Um, we just provide them with the anonymized insights and the metrics on kind of their, their reach, etc. <clears throat> so I can create my own account, obviously, right? Blockchain John, yep. obviously use my real name and stuff. And um, <clears throat> can I create a C3 media page? Yes. You, so you can create multiple accounts with one ID. You just have to go through the process multiple times. So you can create your personal account. You can create a business account. You can create a cat meme fan page account. You can create whatever you want. Okay, uh, so but remember, they're all, they're all just linked back to that one ID. So does it cost know, anything it, to open an account? No, it's totally free. Really? Like you're not even burning uh, um, Hedera, HBARS? Yeah, no. So for, I think like I'm, the digital ID verification is like 15 cents a user. And then I'm giving you like $2 worth of HBAR when you join anyway. So we've got kind of money for the first users. But yeah, you, you, when you join, you'll be given you'll be given some HBARs to spend, some join tokens to spend. And uh, yeah, signing up is free. So... Cool. That's that's mind boggling. I just I can't wrap my. It's it's so. Uh, I, I want to believe. I, I want to believe that, but I, it's just you know, it's wow, wow. Yeah, but before this podcast, like there was a level of freedom that I couldn't even imagine to be able to choose what hour of day I want my ads. Like now that that thought's in my head, I can't go back to anything else without being bitter and miserable. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's that's yes. a beautiful thing, man. I'm taking that. That's the stats. You know, I'm taking that. I'm taking that to investors and saying, look, here's the validation. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. You, brilliant. You, you ever want someone to talk up these concepts? Like, yeah, it's they're beautiful. <laughs> On top of that, it's free. Oh. That's what that's what I keep hearing every single time from all these uh, projects on, on Hedera is that, oh, it's free. You know, it's just it's so it's it, Hedera works so flawlessly that once you develop on it, it's not really a problem yeah. for, for anyone, you know, you're utilizing the technology and it's just, it's a, it's. No, a and, and the best thing is, is we've, we've integrated, we've integrated Stripe, right? So Apple pay and Visa and, nice. and credit, 
So literally, the moment you come in, yeah, you've got like a couple of, you know, you'll have a couple of dollars worth of join tokens. But like, you can literally use Apple Pay or like, or your debit card literally to just buy more join tokens or whatever to, to tip and to unlock content. So, you know, no, it's they free. Do take a 3%, and, right? They do take a 3%, right? They do take 3%. I think they take 3%. Yeah, they do take 3%, I think. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I think we should take 3%. Actually, I've been looking at it. I've, I'm thinking about it because I've got this ad model. But... The thing is now with these NFTs, NFTs and content monetization is a big revenue stream. And also with the join tokens, like we'll see how it goes. But if, because it looks like, you know, Spotify have just released this tipping function, Facebook and Twitter, you know, they've got paid subscriptions for podcasts. If it becomes more normal that people are paying for content and people are willing to do so, then, you know, there could be an option whereby we could even remove the need for advertising on the platform if we were able to make enough money from joint token purchases, et cetera. So it's something we're looking at. We'll see what happens right. in MVP. But like, you know, if people are going to, you know, if, if we took like a 10% cut, 5% cut, I don't know, I need to have a look at the maths to see how much users are buying. But like, if we can make cuts off the virtual currency that we're using and that's all going on creator content anyway, there could even be a model here where we could remove that need for advertising. Although, you know, a big part of this is, to defeat Facebook, we need yeah. to move the advertisers across because it's the advertisers' money that's funding Facebook. So, bit of a dilemma, but I'm looking at it, and it's going to be really interesting oh. on MVP to see what people's behavior are on the app and how how much they use the tokens. User to user advertising is definitely an underrated thing. Like, I, there's a lot of value in that as a platform in general. Like, not even a financial value, but to be able to share and monetize content. Yeah. And promote your profile because ultimately, like, creators and influencers, they invest in their own profile. Like, the reason they make money from them is to go and make more content, and then they make money, and then they go and make more content because what they're trying to do is increase their brand, their profile, and, you know, if we, right. it's just like with how successful, one of the reasons TikTok's been successful is, like, one that you get, like, that guaranteed 100 views when you first post, a, post a, a piece of content, but it's really easy to build audiences on there and cheap to build like paid audiences to promote your content in the feed. So we're definitely going to have that. Um, we'll just look at traditional advertising a bit more carefully um, as we as we reach that point. All right, JT, let's go ahead and uh, continue on here with the slides. And I want to ask, is it possible, is it possible that you can live stream and share with us uh, the actual workings of the app before, uh, before it's actually released? Uh, I, I I wish I could, on, so I can't do it right now because I can't do it on this iPad, but I can do it. Uh, well, actually, I might, as I said, I'm probably, MVP should be ready on Friday and then like, we'll be able to download it on your iPhone and use it. So maybe we do another session with that MVP and we just go through it and I'll show you what we've got. Sounds good. All right. Let's continue. So, All right. so oh, wait, wait, real quick, uh, real quick though, when it goes live, is it only going live on iPhone or is it going to be PC uh, and Android as well? iOS, iOS to begin with. I think we've got, like this, when I say the MVP is launching, uh, we're gonna have like 500 people on it. There's gonna be like two months, three months of like it's just our investors, our like people who are interested, and then we're gonna do two. We've, we basically have got this big seed money that we need to close, bring in, and then we'll do like three months of we need to bolster security massively. We need to prepare for scale because we want we want to get to 100,000 users with the beta test. So this MVP is like for 500 people is to secure that seed money and is then to like put the money so that when we go live live with the big pr cycle etc we don't break immediately so man, you know yeah. where so we are you're just you're kicking me to the curb man you're like android's not cool enough <laughs> no well it's annoying 
no, I got kicked to the curb because we have built we have built on Android, but we've started building on Android, and then we sent it out to the investors, and none of them had Android phones, and then they were like, "We need it on iOS." <laughs> and then I had to go find more money. So that, that's oh, fair. Yeah. That 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 that's a fair reason to pivot to so, Apple. So that not that's knocked us back two months because we had it on Android, so it was easy to do, and then the investors were like, "We can't play with it. We don't have Android phones." Like for fuck's sake! <laughs> so, so we had to go and get. Uh, so we did the iOS build, but that's kind of worked really well. And look, like we we'll be when we get this money and the MVP is completed, we'll be going live on iOS and Android simultaneously for the beta launch for the 100,000 users. So we won't be like Clubhouse. We will be on both. But for this MVP, like, we need to just prove that it works on iOS, raise the money, and then we'll, um, we'll, we'll, we'll go big. And we'll make sure that you're catered for, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, for kids, Let's... you do have the ability... Oh, join kids. Let me talk to you about this because this hasn't been built yet. Uh, again, just because, you know, prioritizing what uh, I need... But this is going to be brilliant. It's such a big, such a big deal because we have a partnership with Super Awesome, and Super Awesome really are Super Awesome. They're the world's largest kids advertisers providers. So they manually review like like the world's highest uh, value like trust brands: Lego, Mattel, Hasbro. Super Awesome are the they are the advertising network that basically advertises to children, but they also do kids' digital ID verification, and they also have a kid-fluencing division, so like special children's influencers. So we've designed Join Kids, which is a social network for under-13s. 75% of 8- to 13-year-olds have a social media account, even though it's technically illegal, so those restrictions on Facebook aren't working, and these kids are basically being exposed to really traumatic and sensitive content online. So we've created a special app that uh, is twinned with Join Main. And what this does is give parents control and oversight over friend requests, post uploads, and advertisers that are advertising to their children. So we basically created like a parent portal in Join Main where parents in real time can approve activity for kids that are on the under 13 platform. And uh, we've basically taken all the recommendations. There's an organization called the Five Rights Foundation. And the Five Rights Foundation are an NGO that advocate for children's rights online. And so they had like eight policy suggestions. We implemented all of them in, in the design that we've made. And yeah, we think that one, just as a launch strategy, you know, there's, with Super Awesome, you know, if we sign up, you know, a thousand kids, we get 2,000 parents because in Join Maine because the parents have a specific incentive to make sure their, kid, their children are safe online. We have teams of kidfluencers who are attached to Super Awesome and properly verified ads. And we also have a really good ad model. Like the revenue stream from Super Awesome is, is huge. Like the commission that we get per thousand ad impressions is almost the same as what we're charging in Join Maine. So um, can't wait to deliver this. I've spoken to so many parents who are very, very concerned about what their kids are seeing online, especially their young kids, because they can't stop them because they feel like, you know, if, they're pet, if they're, their friends are on it in class, you don't want to be the uncool parent that says you can't have a social media network, a social media account. So right. it's in the yes, pipeline. Ban twerking. I don't, want to, I don't want the kids watching that. Please. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's unsafe content for under 13s. Uh, we're going to have tons of controls in there. And again, super awesome and uh, Five Rights Foundation. Like, this is literally what they do. They're amazing. Um, so, yeah, when we get this off the ground, I think this is going to be a really important part of our proposition. So and I feel like in Facebook and Instagram have been stealing our ideas. I know they have, but 
because they, they announced Facebook, Facebook were like, oh, we're going to launch a special social network for under 13s. You should see the reaction to it online. They were just like, this is a terrible idea because it's Facebook. In regards to joining kids, it, right now it's currently on the back burner, right? It's it's not. Yeah. So uh, when, when yeah, is it coming out? Like when can you see it coming out? About a year from now? Six months? Two years? Well, it depends on the fundraise, actually. So uh, I am hoping for six months, really. I honestly hope that in this next three months, when we show the MVP, that we'll raise enough money to uh, we'll raise enough money to build this. I only need five hundred thousand extra to build this. So if we over if we over raise, I'll make sure this gets built immediately. Um, and so, yeah, I'm really hoping that this will be live in like six months because like we've got all the contracts signed, super awesome. It's a huge partnership. You know, they're incredibly legitimate. It's a, it's a guaranteed revenue model for us for having users on the platform. So I'm hoping I can get investors to see sense and to, and to deliver this as soon as possible. You know what I forgot to ask in regards to the tokens, they are created off of the, uh, Hedera Hashgraph network, correct? Yep. The join token is our native token, but it is hosted on Hedera Hashgraph, and you can convert your join tokens into HBAR, into Hedera tokens. Okay, now speaking which, of that, that means, I, that means there had to be a wallet creation that needs private keys associated with that. So who's the uh, the custodian of that? Does it, is it, I mean, I don't know if that's even something you should talk about on air, but what I'm, what I'm trying to no. get to is it, is it a multi-sig uh, wallet? So um, my understanding is, so we've integrated it with the digital ID verification. And once you've gone through that process, your wallet is live and active and it's currently working on the main net. So I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'll have to go back and ask like the extra questions about it. But from our end, like that wallet creation happens with the digital ID verification. You're in, and, and once you have it, like your Hedera wallet is, you can put money into it, you can withdraw from it. Um, I'm not sure what Hedera are doing on their end. I'm sure they have other verification like techniques to make sure the wallet's legitimate. But like from our end, you just, you, you create a social media profile like you normally do. You have a username and a password. You digitally verify yourself. And then the next time that you put in your username and password and go in, like the wallet is there and you can use it. My, my concern is that, you know, if anybody decides to hack into um, the wallet itself, not necessarily the network, but I guess the wallet, if there's any... Uh, issues with the code and somebody's going to be able to siphon out all, all of the H bar or, or all the, uh, the joint tokens. Yeah. So I think there's two ways around that is one, uh, for normal users. So, and, and, and I, we'll see, but essentially like users, you're not supposed to be able to withdraw the joint tokens in fiat cash. You're supposed to spend the joint tokens on creator content. And then once the tokens have been spent on the content, then the creator can then, withdraw that cash um so we are going to have special protections for kind of account creators my original idea was so basically like at the beginning if you have anything less than a hundred dollars in your wallet it just can't be withdrawn at all because we think that you know if, if maybe that's the, the threshold then for rewarding creators on the platform um at the beginning to make sure that the people are withdrawing their money so because then because then we're only looking after the creator accounts the, the kind of influential accounts look we're gonna have to look at it we are looking at it, um, but you know, we've got Hedera on our side, and and we we feel pretty confident about the security of the network. Um, but of course, of course, we're gonna we we've been doing pen testing. When the accounts go live in this MVP, we're gonna do a load more pen testing, and that's exactly what we'll be testing for: is how do you get how do you take money out of these accounts? Like, how does this thing break, and what security measures can we put in place to stop it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's 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 my only concern. If I'm gonna be 
utilizing the, 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 uh, the joint platform and all of a sudden I invested a lot of my money, a lot of my time, a lot of my energy into creating, you know, uh, a brand off, off of the, the joint platform. And imagine only investing, you know, five years uh, of, of finances, you know, team members and, and countless hours and all of a sudden just for someone to swoop in and just destroy the network by just finding a, a leak or a bug that's that's connected to uh, that's ported from from the Hedera over to to the to the join uh, network. Yeah, well, I guess maybe one of the ways around that is, you know, we, we I don't think we should be, we're not encouraging people to hold massive amounts of join tokens in their wallets. It doesn't really make sense. Right. You need you need join tokens in your wallet to spend money on content uh, continuously. But if you're someone who is getting paid um you know who's receiving all of these join tokens then you should be cashing them out so maybe we'll just have like um mandated like withdrawal and refreshing periods so you know once or twice a month anything over 500 automatically you know you have to withdraw it and put it into your account um to stop that type of thing happening because you're right i don't want you know a massive creator a massive a massive creator to have like two million worth of join tokens in his account like they should either be spending it on the platform using it to promote their profile or putting it in their bank account because you're right you know, that, that having it so a good point. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's continue. For social good, join is private. Yes. Empowers content creators to monetize their audience. Yes, this is like, this is all about social good, right? And I think everything that we're doing, all of these features, all of these solutions are about social good because creators are getting a really bad deal right now from the platforms. Like anyone with less than like a hundred thousand subscribers basically gets no monetization options, either on Facebook or YouTube or Twitter. And what that means is there are just tens of thousands of people creating content almost for free and the platforms are getting really rich off it. So the first thing is like, let's just fix that and make sure that every content creator, no matter if they've got a hundred subscribers or a million subscribers are getting the same amount of value for the content they create for the audiences that they capture. So it's an equitable thing. It rewards creators. Um, dual monetization, so monetization, uh, digital ID verification, and control of algorithms. This is just all the stuff that we said before. But we have, we have, yeah. So look, privacy, fake accounts, fake news, monetization, and the last. It's the last sentence, really. It's about preserving the integrity of digital democracy and free speech from hostile actors, because democracy is just. It's about the flow of information. Democracy relies on two things. One, one person, one voice. In a democracy, if there's a million people, each person should have the right to an equal say in an online space. And the second is they need access to true information. If people have one person, one voice, and people have access to true information, you have democracy. That is how democracy works. People can aggregate their preferences. They can vote in accordance with their self-interest. But what's happening is on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, we do not have that. We do not have one person, one voice because the platforms are overrun by billions of fake accounts. There are more fake accounts online than there are real users. So one person, one, one, person, one voice is dead online. And two, we don't have access to true information because of fake accounts, hate speech, online abuse and trolling, and organized disinformation. We get rid of those. We get our democracy back. We find the common ground back. We can start trusting the news we read again. People can start connecting online. We break down those filter bubbles and we bring, it's about social cohesion, bringing people closer together. You know, I remember what, I remember what 2012 felt like. I remember what 2012 London felt like, you know, and we have massively backslid into authoritarianism in the last nine years because of this polarization, because of this disinformation. 
because of the way the online spaces have deliberately polarized us. And these, these are all design choices, they're technical features, and that's it. I've literally just broke it down. There's five little, you know, those are the five things you need to solve, like fake accounts, fake news, privacy, monetization, and uh, algorithm, breaking down those algorithms online. And if you do that, we get democracy back, we get social cohesion back, we get a way better online space, and like, we can actually go and improve our societies and vote in accordance with our interests. And guys, that's what it's got to all be about because like it really is screwing us right now. And, but there is a way back and we've designed it. So let's go. That's what's up. <clears throat> that is what's up. All right. How we compare to the competition. Man, oh yeah. Actually want to talk about this. Go ahead. Yeah. Like, like it's cause when you put it like this, it's quite clear, right? Like, on the right, you've got Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You've got loads of hate speech and fake news, fake accounts. You've got a surveillance capitalism model that exploits user privacy. It's centralized, so you don't see any value. They've got all the data, and they create these filter bubbles because you have no control over your algorithms. We've just done the opposite. <laughs> We've just literally done the opposite of what these platforms have done. We've decentralized social media. We're giving monetization rewards. We're giving you control of your algorithm. And we've got verified users and consented ads. And that is so powerful because once you have that control over who has access to your time and attention and who's giving you money, you're not going to go back to the, the world where Facebook is spoon feeding you these things. If you look on the left, these are the competitors who are, this is the point is they're not, they, one, they think that ads are the problem uh, because they're like, oh, everyone's complaining about having ads on social media. What they don't realize is if you don't create a, an ethical version of Facebook's ad model, then none of the advertisers or creators will join your platform. So, you know, MeWe and WT Social and Mastodon, like they have very defined ceilings because they just don't have a mechanism to absorb all of the people who are putting money into Facebook. And the goal here is to take down Facebook, not to be like a niche competitor that, you know, sells for like 20 million so you can go live on an island somewhere. Uh, and so, yeah, they just, you know, I, I, I like I like what they're about. You know, WT Social has a really noble mission. You know, Jenny Wallace, the founder of Wikipedia, started it. He's like, we need trustworthy news that people can pay for. No advertisements, no UI, and like, you know, some old people use it, but it's so, JT, it's about the. I'll say the yeah. same thing. What I said earlier, right at the beginning of the podcast, was that the join. What you showed me in the image. Actually, let me scroll up here a bit. This. GUI is beautiful, man. I mean, this is amazing. If that's what it looks like, this is amazing, right? Without a doubt, this is beautiful yeah. to visually see. I don't mind opening the app up to see this. This is amazing. <laughs> now, I've used Mastodon. Thank you so much. I've I, used Mastodon. I, I'll shout out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mastodon is awful. It's so ugly. It's, it's ugly. ugly. I've used Minds. Yeah. Minds, it's it's it's... It's turned my mind into jelly. I don't understand what's going on with minds. But when I look at join, it's a beautiful piece. Of, I, I haven't even used it. I'm just looking at images. I'm like, this, this is what it is. It's beautiful. It's beautiful to look at. <laughs> well, thank you very much. I'll uh, shout out to Dr. Sophie Payne, who uh, was the product designer and who did the work on and this. And there we so. go, Dr. Thank Sophie Payne. Thank there we go. Thank you, so Thank you, Sophie. <laughs> And Mr. What's how do you say his name? Naran Naran Lakwani. Yeah, he's the, um, he's the he's the he's the head of our dev team in, in India. He's he's really great. He's a really funny guy. We'll we'll get him on the we'll get him on the call next time. It'll be fun. Awesome. Yeah. 
There you go, and that is a wrap. Social media Ooh, for social media. Me. I love it, man. Awesome. Well, I'm glad you do. Um, you know, I've, I've really enjoyed having this chat. You've got me. I'm, I'm really pumped up now to do work today. So, launch around the corner. <laughs> That's a good way to wake up in the morning, right? <laughs> yeah, really, really good way. So, um, yeah, guys, I'm really excited for you to try it. A little bit about Hedera there. Oh, I love that that table for the crypto guys. Like that table on the right. That that just explains the difference between Hedera, Bitcoin, and Ethereum. And Hedera is just so far superior um, in terms of being able to, you know, on the three most important things. Transactions per second, the fee, and the confirmation time, we, like the three metrics. We actually metrics. have to say this. We actually have to say it for the listeners. So there is a, a table chart here that says first generation, which is Bitcoin, transactions per second, three, uh, roughly three transactions per second. Um, average fee is about 20 cents, which these are so outdated now. It's, it's unbelievable. These are like completely wrong because these, okay. these fees are so ridiculous now. It's, it's not even funny. Uh, transaction confirmations 10 to 60 minutes, which is true because I remember waiting at ATM machine, uh, at Bitcoin, uh, Bitcoin ATM machine. It took me an hour for my funds to get sent through. Uh, wow. Second generation Ethereum, 12 seconds, no, sorry, 12 transactions per second. Uh, fees, supposedly 13 cents. I wish they were that low, but they're not that low. It's more like uh, 80 bucks. Dollars. <laughs> yeah, it sounds really pricey. Yeah, I, you know, I had one of those, uh, one of those, um, uh, altcoins, uh, uh, shit coins that were just uh, in my wallet, and it was only worth like maybe eighty cents. And when it went up to like twenty four dollars, I'm like, hey, I got it, it pumped up. Yeah, nice. Hey, I'm gonna go ahead and uh, withdraw this now. It's worth it. It's definitely worth it. Twenty four dollars. Yeah, yeah. See, so I went and uh, <laughs> I was jaw dropped. Eighty bucks. I'm like, no, 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 no. Get out of here with that. Get out of here. I'm not gonna do that. It's not. It's just. It's not. It's, it's ridiculous. It's crazy. It's ridiculous. Like, yeah. And then you have Hedera, which is the new third generation, but it doesn't use blockchain technology. I mean, it does. It's it's amazing. I, I had a uh, Christian Hasker on the on the podcast about like two three oh, months ago. That. Oh man, he's great. He's great. I'm definitely gonna bring him back on the podcast um, here pretty soon. But uh, in regards to Hedera, it's ten thousand transactions per second. And this has been verified over and over and over again. It is working as of now. You can check the network. It's beautiful. People are always pinging me. Hey, check it out. You know, you you want to plug well, it into and the podcast? It's, it's funny because uh, Hedera is currently doing more transactions on its network per day than every other crypto added up combined. Mm-hmm. That is a nuts stat. That is a crazy stat. It is. If you add you add up Bitcoin, Ethereum, Doge, everything, all of their transactions per day, Hedera is doing more than all of them combined per day. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's mind-boggling. And, and, and still nobody knows that, about it. So it's, it's still very undervalued, very undiscovered. Like it's it, and it I think, boggles the mind. But, I think you just but opened up think, people's minds with that, JT. I think you just made people realize, like, what? They can do that many transactions? Yeah, and if you own a business... You can definitely utilize that type of network and make those transactions happen for your business. Absolutely. And on top of that, yeah. it is a set value for fees. It's not an inflated value, uh, inflated fee rate. It is a set predetermined uh, fee rate uh, fee. Yeah. yeah. If you transfer a million dollars or one dollar, it's it will cost you still a third still, of one cent. Yeah, it's mind-boggling. That's like what? What? It is crazy, and it's interesting because, and I, and I mean this for people listening because you know I said at the beginning my introduction to the space came from the corporate i, I worked with deloitte i worked with startups i saw the corporate like what are people using blockchain technology to build useful things on but 
when I'm in the crypto community, there's a lot of just day traders and speculators and people have come in because, you know, they're analyzing coins that go up and down and they're looking to make money. That's fine if you're a trader, but like, what are the fundamentals? You know, if, you, if you're drafting an NFL prospect or, a, you know, a football player, like, what are the fundamentals? Like, I want strength, I want speed, I want power, I want technique. Those are, are going to be the best players in the game. And that's what Hadira has. And yeah, like, you'll make money, like, you know, pumping and dumping coins when you know they're going to pump and dump. But like, over, over the next year, five years, like, the fundamentals of this technology is just guaranteed to just just grow strength by strength because it just oh, makes yeah. sense to build on it. It makes sense to build on it. We got to watch this. I, uh, for a few dollars, I picked up like a lifetime supply of my business needs for, for oh. using this network. Oh, look, this, is, this is the data lake. This is the data lake. So look, you get, this is your joint token rewards for individual advertisers that you've seen. And then look, we match you with anonymized advertisers. And then look, we, you can just swipe left or right if you approve them. So it's, it's really, really easy. Give privacy back, give control back. Some nice UI. You know, this... <laughs> People have been calling for privacy controls for ages and Facebook dodged the question and people are like, well, what does that look like? This is what it looks like. We designed it. It's really simple. Uh, but they've deliberately never given you this, this choice. And again, like when you control which informations are used about you to match you with which advertisers, you have control over which advertisers. Look at this. Scroll down. Which, in, you know, which interests do you want to be matched with different advertisers for? You go back into your feed. And then it just applies, and then you get join tokens as you scroll. You know, I feel like it's an elegant solution to, to quite it's a complex... People think it's man. a complex problem. It's it. quite a complex... It's a complex problem, but it's a simple solution. And, you know, I feel like we did the hard work on the design and thought. And my background's in a privacy space, so, like, I came at this from that privacy angle. Oh, it's me talking. Nice. Oh, <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> so, yeah, that's join. You should join. Join us. Join. Love it. Oh, the join token customization store. Do you remember what made MySpace good? You could customize oh, your yeah, own being pages, able to your buttons, your feed. Look well, at this. You can spend cool. your join tokens on water launches. Hey! I blew that Rick and Morty. Like, I've got commercial like sponsorships here. You know, you get, you get, that's for your home Morty. feed button. So you can buy like different home feed buttons. You can buy different, and then look, if you go into your token store and look, you apply it to your feed. So look at the background. Now you change it to that, boom, boom. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm Nice, look, get your little Rick and, <laughs> get your little Rick and Morty home button. Just like uh, Fortnite, you know, people love that stuff. People love customization. I love it as well, so. This is are users to able to buy those and give those to other users? Oh, we haven't got given to other users, but. Actually, the way it works is you can upload your own art into the token store, so you can design a button, design a feed, put it into the store, and then someone pays for it, and then you receive the money for it. So we're actually no way. Users, <laughs> yeah, we're letting you. We're letting users create digital assets and then put them in the store, and then people can just apply them to their feed, and you get paid for it. Yeah, we we we. Wow. we well, I've, got, I've, I've thought a lot about this. <laughs> oh man, that's. That's awesome. <laughs> so there is an APK here for Android. Is this can we use this? Uh, that's not that's not that's not in use right now. But it, it'll just be a blank page. We're taking it down for now because we've been working on iOS. But uh, we'll we'll put. I need to take that down. But yeah, we'll be back online soon. Okay. We'll, for all those Android users out there, I promise it'll be we'll, we'll be there after MVP. I can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs>
All right, JT, thank you for being on the podcast. And I'm definitely going to have you back, uh, I don't know, about a month from now or as soon as you want. You yeah. Definitely do a follow-up yeah. on how things are going. So with that said, yeah. well, JT, Mike, thank you awesome. for being on the podcast. Go ahead. JT. Thank you so much for your time. Awesome. Appreciate it. Thank you. And awesome. Bye-bye. You've, you've already had your breakfast, and it is almost midnight yeah. there. That's amazing. Yep, it's <laughs> so half, half nine in the morning. <laughs> sun is out. You can go for a walk down the beach. Awesome. With that said, Kryptonauts, Stack Sets, and...